Thank you for joining us today, listeners. We will be joined today by Trista. She's going to talk to us a little bit about what it's like to live with chronic disease in America during a pandemic. So thank you for joining us, and we will be right back with Trista. Hello, listeners. We're here today with Trista. She is actually a perfect stranger to me, but I was told that she has a pretty interesting story to tell about our current situation here in America. So Trista, um, go ahead and tell us what's going on. Start by introducing myself and tell you currently what's happening in our life. Uh, my name's Trista and I am a photographer and an accidental homeschooler, as I like to put it right now. We decided to homeschool due to the pandemic in a more eclectic sense of the term. We are not going through the public school system for several reasons. One of the major reasons being uh, the health and safety of our family. Um, I actually have a pretty serious health condition called ankylosing spondylitis. That's a mouthful. Uh, can you tell me a little more about that? So. I was diagnosed probably four years ago with ankylosing. I believe the correct term to use for it is auto-inflammatory disease. It causes a lot of widespread pain, um, inflammation, body aches, feeling like you have the flu, along with eventually some people have spinal fusion. That sounds absolutely terrifying. It's very terrifying and hard to manage um and how are you in your current management of your illness right now i am not managing it very well to be honest with you um i've gone through various treatments different medications so typically they start you on an anti-inflammatory medication so like NSAIDs? Yes. Uh, a little stronger than ibuprofen. All right. So probably in like the Celebrex range then? Celebrex was one of them. I did not respond well to any of those. Um, seems like I might be dealing with a lot of inflammation in my digestive system. Can't really handle taking any pill. So then they moved me to what's called a biologic. And a biologic is an injection that you give yourself. Some of them are monthly, some of them are weekly. I went on the first one probably three years ago. I was on Humira. Okay, that one's commonly used for um, RA, I believe, right? RA and I believe Crohn's disease. Um, we trialed that for probably about a year with no real results. Nothing too negative but I wasn't feeling any better. So then I had to switch to a medication called Enbrel, which is very similar. Same thing, injectable. Once a month, correct? Actually, I believe that one was every other week. Oh, goodness. Or every week. Painful to inject. A lot of funky side effects, so it, it made me feel worse. Flu-like symptoms. Not to mention... It's very expensive. So, depending on your health plan, you may not even be able to afford it. You can't afford it. So, 
because I'm diagnosed with a pretty hefty disease, I was able to get on what's called medical assistance for workers with disabilities, which was able to cover most of the cost of the medication. Um, so that was a really helpful program. I definitely recommend looking into that if you're someone who is maybe struggling with something and is also working. You could definitely qualify depending on your income. I'm sure it depends on state or is that a federal program? It's, a state, it's Pennsylvania. So it's a, a side program from Medicaid. And this one's specifically focused on people who are currently working. Correct. You have to be working in some capacity. You could be babysitting for a few hours a month and they would consider you working. So it's pretty, pretty relaxed on the qualifications. Uh, but there is an income limit. I'm not too sure on that. So given that you do have an autoimmune disease and you are on autoimmune inhibitors from the sounds of things, have you been able to really leave your house in the last seven months? Eight so months? what happened was I made another switch in the winter time of 2019 to okay. uh, Cosentix, which is a different type of biologic. Um, and I ended up getting really, really sick right when the schools shut down, which was around March 13th, I think. So at the beginning. Of, yes, right at the beginning, um, when everything started to shut down, I ended up getting very, very sick. So I had to stop that medication uh, because whenever you get sick and are having symptoms like fever or flu-like symptoms, they really don't like you to continue the medication until that's resolved. Or if you're on antibiotics of any type, they have you pause it. So I was pretty ill for, I want to say, 25 days in from March into April. Were you concerned it was COVID? Did you seek a test? Yes. So I was extremely concerned because I had the exact symptoms for COVID. The fever, the chest, the deep cough. Um, I also deal with asthma. So I was having a lot of trouble breathing. Um, and because of everything that was going on, it was really difficult to see my doctors. So pretty much everything was virtual. And... It took them a good week to decide that I should go get a test. So in the beginning, the test here where I'm located was a drive-up test. And they took this long stick that looked like a Q-tip, basically. And shoved it clean into your brain. Basically, I thought that they hit my brain. Yeah, that's a nasal pharyngeal swab. It's got to go the whole way back your nasal passage and hit hit your brain, essentially. <laughs> Uncomfortable doesn't even describe it. It was so yeah, not great. painful. I... I'm actually licensed to administer those tests, and I've made more than a few people gag, and I apologize to all those out there. I've done that, too. I feel bad for anyone, anyone that has to go through that. And so 
I went through with it and I was pretty shook up by the whole thing because I was sick and not being able to breathe and having that in my nose. Yeah, that's terrifying. So the test actually took entirely too long. How long did you wait? Uh, over two weeks. So they told me at first they had lost my test. Somehow there was miscommunication with the lab that it was sent to. So I ended up getting a second test. <laughs> oh, goodness. And during all this time, did your symptoms persist? Were Persisted, you getting worse, getting better? No better, no worse, really, but just awful. Um, at the same time, I have to deal with the inflammation in my body. So when I get sick, that starts to act up in addition to... Now that inflammation, is that widespread? Your hands, your feet, your face, Everything. or is it more localized? Whole body. Ah. So, <laughs> the day that I took the second test, the doctor called and said that they had the results from my initial coronavirus test. Wow, that's, that's timing. It was very upsetting, but it came back negative, which was shocking. Um, I have had pretty much every illness that you can get, um, and this was not like anything I had ever experienced, so I was almost positive. The only thing I will say is the initial testing that was done seemed to be a little iffy on the accuracy, and it even stated so on the uh, paperwork that I was given. Yeah, because I think the first test that came out there, they had a pretty high false positive, false negative rate, I think. Right. So I actually never got the results from my second test. Hmm. And at that point, we had just been quarantined for so long. I mean, we were literally at our house every single day, did not leave. And no one else was showing symptoms in the no home? No one else got sick. Uh, so it was really, really strange. And we continued to self-isolate for quite some time after that, just to be sure that we were asymptomatic and didn't spread it. So uh, what does that mean for you now today, being a sufferer of an autoimmune disease? Obviously, you're homeschooling, so you don't have to worry about your daughter bringing it back from school. Um, does your husband work? So he does, and at the time because of the mandatory closures, he was furloughed. So he was at home, I wanna say for two months during that time. So at least I had help with all of the things. <laughs> um, right. And we were wrapping up the end of the school year online with the public school. Which that was probably a disaster. It was quite a mess. It was, they weren't prepared for it and you know it's not their fault that they weren't prepared for it uh no one could know that they would need to switch to virtual um overnight right <laughs> basically no training involved so the teacher did a really great job so we were really happy with at least having someone who was understanding of our situation and being able to get through it and our daughter's just very very smart and she just did fine. That's great that she was able to manage. It, it was hard to see your friends through a screen and not know what's going on and being very confused. And As an adult, 
adult, I feel that way. <laughs> for, yeah, I mean, for us, it's traumatizing. For, for kids, it's it's got to be something. So at that point, we had already been considering uh, homeschool for a few years. We had talked about it uh, just because that would allow more freedom in our schedules. And with my work, um, I could have a lot more freedom and what do you do for work? I do photography. And I've been doing that for probably six years part-time. It's been a great journey and I've loved every second of it, getting to work with families and photographing weddings. Because of the closures, I also had a shutdown business. Right, so because well, all the events you probably would take pictures at were canceled. All of the weddings I had scheduled were either postponed or completely canceled. So you were just full stop as far as your business. Completely stop, which I guess is kind of a good thing considering I was very sick for quite some time. So that would have been a major problem. Uh, typically, I am able to work through it. Uh, it's uncomfortable sometimes to work through the pain and everything. I usually schedule myself enough time in between jobs that I can I can be okay. So you plan your own recovery. Yes. You know, you're going to work hard. <laughs> you'll do the reception, then the wedding, and then you get three days off because you'll need it for recovery. I understand Correct. that. Yeah, I, there's just no way I can do major things back to back like that. Not only was I not working, but my husband was furloughed. His job uh, basically had them take whatever vacation days they had left to use as pay. And then he was able to apply for the unemployment. So he had to completely cash in all yes. of his hard-earned vacation Correct. before he was, oh, that's, that's a fantastic policy. For the rest of the year, there is no vacation or sick days available. So that's really, really tough. I uh, can imagine that sounds unfeasible for how long the year has to go. And when you're working for a small family-owned business, it's kind of hard to rally together and say, we feel like this policy is unfair and it would just be too much of a risk for him to lose the job over something like that, like a complaint. So we just, uh, we did it. Put and, your head down and power <laughs> yes, through. Went through it and came out okay. Uh, I was able to apply for the PUA and I received the PUA and then also the stimulus. So that got us through till July. And then obviously he resumed full-time work over the summer. But at this point, because I am taking on homeschooling pretty much on my own during the week and the way that my body has been feeling, I've decided that I'm going to back down on the work a lot more, possibly finish up the commitments I have this fall and take a break. Well, is it even wise for you to attempt working a mass gathering in the midst of a pandemic? Right. So that's also another issue is, you know, my safety, my health, and we've considered all options. I haven't done any major events at all since I think around December of 2019. Um, so you're almost coming up on a full year of unemployment. Yes, yes. 
So that's been tough. And generally just missing it, you know, you miss what you like to do. Oh, absolutely. That has to be devastating. It's just one of those things where you work really hard to make a dream happen and then something comes along like this that you're not prepared for whatsoever. In addition to having health issues, it's just kind of, it's a really crappy situation. <laughs> I, I'm not happy about it. Yeah, it sounds like you got five years of doing what you loved and then all of a sudden here comes a pandemic and a health problem and it is just like the end of the world for you. It, it sounds unbearable. It's very upsetting. Um, and it, it's to the point where I, I'm trying to accept that this is just the position I have to be in for the moment. I have to prioritize my health, number one, where I can't be able to do any of the other things that I have to do. If you if you get COVID with an autoimmune disease, you're automatically not in the best of positions. Absolutely so not. yes, you must prioritize your own health over all else. And it's tough because not everyone agrees with how we're choosing to go about things. And um, we've had to just kind of explain the situation and hope that they can find some empathy for it uh and we're just not gonna do large gatherings and the only thing that i do have coming up is a wedding and i have agreed to do it with actually the help of our mutual friend john yeah he's on some probes with us the listeners are familiar Thank goodness for him. He's going to be my second shooter for it. And so we can be as careful as possible to try to keep our distance. And we'll be wearing our mask around everyone. Gotcha. Now, do you happen to have access to N95 mask or are you using a I face do, covering? I do, but to be honest with you, because of my asthma and stuff, it's not ideal. So makes it difficult to breathe. It's really, really hard to sustain that for several hours at a time so i'll probably be where especially when you're probably trying to run around and take out all the beautiful photos that you need to be taking and when i work i am a hundred percent moving like a crazy person <laughs> it's kind of like i forget what my limits are but it's okay because i'm happy at the end of the day that i've made my client client happy and the shots that we get are always beautiful and it, it's worth it to me so it's awesome. It sounds like you take a lot of pride in your work. I respect that. I really do. Thank you. Um, that's why another thing that's it's really difficult to say, like, I have to I have to take this break because it, it's something that really fulfills me as a person and obviously helps financially. But that's really not the main issue here. It's just that I was getting to the point where I was hoping that I could make it a full time career and that this is just throwing a giant wrench in it absolutely i think that the pandemic unfortunately has a lot to do with this decision uh whether i like to acknowledge that or not um it, it's really just changed the way that we have to live well, yeah, you are uh, more of an extreme case because of your health. You are on lockdown in general. I mean, it has to be scary even going to the grocery store. Do you do that or yes. do you let your husband do that? So, I mean, he has to be at work. So obviously he has a chance of being exposed. 
He does his very best to keep his distance. He wears his mask. He washes his hands when we get home. We always wash hands, shoes at the door. That way we're not bringing anything in. And as far as errands and things, I do go, but I try my best to be very aware of my surroundings and just kind of hope <laughs> that other people are doing the same. Did you try to go to the grocery stores when they have their immunocompromised and elderly uh, time slots? So I don't really do that. And mainly it's because it's usually during a time when I have to homeschool. Mm, yeah, fair. So like she does very well first thing in the morning and we're kind of sticking to that. We're trying to stay within the bounds of some sense of normalcy as far as a routine is concerned. Just because this is such a change for her, we just really want it to feel a little bit more like a normal routine. Even though this is not normal whatsoever. <laughs> it's the new normal yes. for now. But it feels yeah, better. We're all, I think everybody's struggling with the idea of this is the way it is now. I, I think we're at the point where we're, we're used to it, but it still is very difficult. Um, we all have our moments of dismay. Right. Um, since the uh, federal support has fallen away, I know a lot of people find themselves marching towards a financial cliff. Do you find you and your family are in that same situation? Yeah. So we actually just had this conversation over the weekend. By we, you and your yes, husband? Uh, my husband and I kind of had a talk about everything coming up just because of um, the decision for me to take it easy for a while that that extra income is going to be gone and we'll be relying on his full-time job. Now, another thing I should mention is that my husband is a musician and he also would be typically playing at larger events like weddings. Um, so, gotcha. So he's also not full stop, but not well, full go either. has not played a single event since... The winter time so oh goodness that yeah is a lot of financial strain um having neither of those incomes available so we're at the point where we're just going to have to sit down and really assess our budget and hopefully we don't get into deep water <laughs> there are some programs that help out uh, obviously, things like LIHEAP, which helps with your heating bill. So I started already looking into those applications. And that's a state program? Those are state programs. Um, and they look at your situation, your income, and usually, I think it's a grant is what it is, that they help pay for your heating. So if that were necessary... Hopefully that will be available to us this winter if needed. Hopefully that won't happen, but we just don't know with both of those incomes being non-existent what's going to really happen here. If I had a magic fix something for Trista wand <laughs> and I could just point something fixed, what, what would you have me playing away for you? I would have you get rid of my disease. I, I feel like I would 
not have to give up work right now because... Do you think without the disease you'd be healthy enough to resume more of a normal function? Not normal, but I would just feel less scared to get coronavirus. Do you think that if you get coronavirus, you're, you're going to die? I don't think that. And uh, furthermore, I think that the whole notion of people who are isolating and taking it easy and being extra cautious are afraid to die is maybe, I can't speak for everyone, but a little, a, a little ludicrous. I, I'm not, I, I realize that there are other things that I can easily die from, so. Car accident tomorrow, God forbid. Absolutely anything, anytime. However, I think a lot of it is knowing how sick I can get when I do get any illness is the major thing. I can't afford to be sick for 25 days when I am essentially a stay-at-home mom and I have to And a teacher. I have, yes, I'm a teacher now. I have a major responsibility in her education and I just... I can't risk it. So we're trying to minimize that risk as much as possible. It's not it's not impossible to get it, but we're hoping to minimize that risk. I also have a health condition and I don't think that if I get the coronavirus that it, it that it'll kill me, but you you never know. My hugest concern is is that if I get it when I finally realize like uh-oh, I'm sick. Who could I have given it to? Yeah. A lot of people in my life have autoimmune diseases. Um, they're older. They have diabetes. And it's just a tremendous strain to know that if, if you get sick within the next week and you've seen them, that you could have gotten them sick. And that terrifies me. Absolutely. Same here. Um, our, a few of our family members have a lot of very serious illnesses, too. My husband's father it also has uh, autoimmune disease issues and is a, on a lot of medications right now that lower his immune system so we're trying to be very careful uh, we really don't see family that often we've seen them a handful of times over the summer um, and we've been very clear about you know, being careful around each other. Um, luckily, most of us are are choosing to do our very best to stay around large gatherings. Uh, I will say, though, I can't be like, oh, I'm this perfect person. I've stayed home every single day because that's just not the case either. I think that mental health is a huge issue right now. Um, I agree. We have to be very careful with isolating. Uh, we do really need to stay active and, and be going outside when necessary to kind of boost our serotonin levels and just keep our moods okay. <laughs> yes, I agree. Cabin fever, I think, is going to be a real struggle for most of uh, you know Northern America this year. It's it's a struggle, and I actually. I have bipolar disorder, which is like a huge stigma. Um, it, it's something that I don't typically like to talk about with a lot of people, but mostly everyone in my life really knows that part of me. So that's something that I have to be very mindful of. 
Has managing that been a struggle during the pandemic? It has, but luckily, in a weird way, summertime is kind of my upswing. So I, I've been in a good mood, regardless of all of this craziness. Summer is your upswing. That means you yes. are coming to your winter downswing. Yes. Um, do you have Do you have everything uh, in place? Yes, you got so someone to talk to on the horn. And I'm a strong believer in therapy. I've been doing therapy for years and years. Um, I don't actually take any medication for bipolar at the moment. Uh, it's just something that I've personally been able to manage through. I think what do they call it? Cognitive behavioral. Um, just being very aware of yourself. Uh, that's taken years and years and years of practice to really know who I am and what my triggers are and how to manage it. Yeah, when you're in and up and in and down, it's not always easy to see that that's the case, I bet. And it's a concern, obviously, with having the pandemic that causes anxiety, kind of, it's, it's a vicious cycle exacerbates everything yes and so when i'm feeling ill sometimes i get anxious which makes me feel even more ill so i have to be kind of doing a lot of mindfulness um i don't really meditate per se but i use a lot of like ambient sounds and things when i'm feeling very overwhelmed and I think that's like super important for people to find, especially during now, something that can help calm your mind. And it is probably not the 11 o'clock news. No, I, tr I <laughs> the thing for me is not really watching news. It's Facebook is just such a toxic environment. I feel like it's I agree. so negative and I've been trying to be not completely avoiding it because obviously I use that uh, for communication purposes with a lot of my clients and for marketing. Um, but I think I got rid of mine in like 2008, maybe. Oh, that's so great. I wish I, I wish I could just be like, it's gone. <laughs> but I think when Farmville started to become a thing, I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, this is getting this weird. Is People want me to nail them. I'm out. <laughs> I, I've deleted the app off my phone several times and, and tried to tell myself I'm not going to get it back. And it'll and, creep and, its and way it back. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like in itself an illness. Like It's like a total addiction for sure. Yeah, that actually may be another episode we get into with you. Um, if there's a final thought you would like uh, to leave our listeners with tonight about your situation and your health and what you're forced to live through and under during the pandemic, what, what would it be? What would you like to let them know? Um, I just think that if you're in a situation where things are feeling overwhelming and you're, you've got worries of finances, you've got health issues or someone in your family that has health issues, you just really need to reach out for help. Uh, don't try to feel like you can take all of this on your own shoulders because you, you can call a friend, you can call your doctor, you can find resources online for therapy. Uh, there's a lot of things out there. It's just a matter of asking. 
And I'm going to take this time to say that in America, um, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. And again, that is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's available 24 hours a day in English and Spanish. And that's at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. You are welcome. That's very important information. Well, I appreciate you having me on here. This was really awesome. No problem. Your insight and input was amazing. Um, I'm sure we'll invite you back for some roundtable talks. I know you know John and Jared who have joined us for roundtables. Even though you and I are strangers, I think we got a lot to talk yes, about. Yes, we certainly do. I look forward to it. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Anal Podcast, Trista. And I'm going to go ahead and kick out Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Thank you for joining us today, listeners. I hope through Trista's story, you were able to find a little understanding about what it's like to live with chronic disease in America during a pandemic. Please remember to like and subscribe and review wherever you found our podcast. And all of the information that was provided in today's episode can be found in the show notes. And as always, stay safe out there.